0: Hi everybody, I'm Oliver Roth, a Broadway producer at O'Henry Productions. You're listening to the O'Henry Report, the podcast by Broadway World which gives you a one-of-a-kind look inside the business of Broadway. In the report, we pull back the curtain on the biggest stories, issues, and trends in the industry. On this episode, we check in on the 1819 Broadway season, one week after the Tony Awards, where Hadestown and the Ferryman walked away with the night's top honors. To dissect what happened on Tony Night and talk about what it means for the fate of the shows that were up for awards. I talked to Forbes Broadway contributor Lee Seymour.: So uh, you know, really the reason that we have you on today is to go over uh, a season cap um, from the 2018- 2019 season as we head into the 1920 season. Uh, so, we, so where we are right right now, and, and that is that the Tonys were two, were like about 10 days ago. And we're so we've had like ten days worth of of news. We've had a we've had we've had a uh, a set of grosses come out since the Tonies. and so um, we're sort of going to talk through it and, and and recap the big stories since the Tonys. I guess actually the way the way that we should start this is like is to talk about the Tonies themselves. What what do you think about the outcomes? Was there any uh, big surprise?
1: Um, not really. I mean, my take on the Tonys this year is that. It was uh, it was kind of milk toast overall. I mean, I guess the quality of the, the telecast itself, and that was reflected in the viewership, which was the lowest ratings ever in Tony history for its uh, uh, for its viewership. I think it was the first time that it dropped below five million viewers, and I, I think you know the the wins. There were some few surprises. There were few surprises, but that doesn't mean that there weren't some really satisfying moments. Right? so we've got Hades town that is now the first best musical winner that has an all female lead creative team uh which is exciting it's a great milestone um i th- I think the surprises actually for me came in the design categories uh where Hades town for example beat out Beetlejuice for scenic design, which is like you know not not undeserved but kind of out of nowhere because everyone you know sort of has gravitated towards regardless of what you think about Beetlejuice, and I know you and I have very different opinions about it, you know, the scenic design is, like, incredible. It's it's Tim Burton's movie on a stage, but yeah. it didn't do it. Um, and I saw you you tweeted something while we were both sort of live- I was, live at, I was just going to say this. Of, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, no, just as soon as that design award came in where Hades Town beat Beetlejuice, you said, that's it, it's going to be a sweet Yeah, tonight. I think and that that was. was an
0: early surprise that was so indicative of what was going to happen. Um, I think, which is, and you know, I talked about this a lot, uh, on online and you know, on, on Twitter and, and on the podcast, where a lot of people were saying, oh, maybe there's real competition this year, um, and maybe we'll see, you know, awards being spread out, and I, I sort of was worried, um, that that we might be over the days where like, uh, there's where where there's not sweeps, um. And, and so, or at mm. least, or at least like that, or if we're not over the days where they're not, there's not sweeps that people were wrong to think that this wasn't, you know, going to be a thing. But I, but I do think, I do think the one issue, the one problem that I've seen just in the last few years of really looking at the Tony Awards is that generally I, I feel like more than they should, the, you know, like awards down the line are the same as the best musical winner on the musical category. And I, I think this was a, like one of those, which is that there was, I don't think – maybe you would call it a close race, but I think that David Korn's set, which was just like – I mean, here's a guy who has designed some, some of the most iconic sets for the last five years, who's like the world's best Instagrammer um, with amazing videos of his development process. And he designed what I think is this year's like obvious best set. And Sound is a great set and also a, a very like utilitarian set. Like it really uh, works for the piece. Um, but when it won, yeah. when I don't think that it was, you know, at all the favorite, and probably significantly less deserving than the than the Beetlejuice set, to me it was over. It was like if 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 that if if the tiebreaker for between Corin's and and Hawk was that people liked Hadestown Town that much, then the Best Musical uh, category didn't stand a chance. Um,
1: yeah. I, I would say the, there's a flip side to that as well. Um, I, I agree with you in this particular example, but looking at like the the other design nominations for plays, um, the other the other uh, take on it is that people, if people really dislike a certain show, then even if it's deserving of something, they might be more inclined to go with something else. So, for example, a show like uh-huh. Gary right which was super divisive and a lot of people just straight up hated it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was weird as hell and uh I was very excited that it was on Broadway and I'm not surprised it closed right. instantly. <laughs> but its design was incredible. Like yeah. the 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 set design, the costume design, I mean, that was fabulous. My my predictions which ended up uh actually being subverted by other surprises in a different way was that um that voters hated it so much that they weren't even going to vote for it, even if it deserved certain categories. What surprised me on the play fronts though, um, was not that that happened, which it did. Gary went home empty handed, even in design, but that sound design went to choir boy and lighting design went to ink where, you know, if we're talking about the fear that certain awards will be no longer split up amongst, you know, competitors, if it's just people are going to vote the ticket. I think on the play front, at least, you actually saw that not happening as much. Uh, scenic and costume design kind of got paired together. Rob Howell, which is, I think, the first time that's ever, or maybe the second time that's ever happened where somebody's won costume and set for the same show. Yeah. But it didn't pick up you know, any of the other design awards that I expected it to. Uh, and I'm so glad Choir Boy won
0: something because the sound of that show I think your theory is, is potentially true. I also think just to play devil's advocate that there's uh, always – well, and I would have thought this for Beetlejuice as well. But sets and costumes for uh, Ferryman, I think they were very competitive. I think that Ink's lighting was exceptional and I don't really remember such outrageous lighting in Ferryman. Um, and so I do think there's always been, especially in the play design categories – opportunities for shows that really just there was a moment for that for that type for that specific designer you know i'm thinking um the you know costume design for the audience or these other things where it's like it's a costume play or it's a you know or it's a set play um and, yeah, and likewise course. i think and i said this on the uh in the last episode and i, I tweeted uh this during the thing that um likewise with choir boy i just uh, like there was music in it. It was, it was like, I think, I yeah. mean, there were other arguments that people made throughout, you know, this sort of, you know, prediction process of, oh, well, network also had sound design outside and ferryman had so many different, you know, voices that had to be, you know, that had to be uh, well balanced on stage. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the most, uh, sometimes the winner of the award goes to the most obviously, uh, especially the design, these design awards goes to the most obviously um, acclaimed creator and play with that much music it's very easy to see where the sound design went um but yeah no i i I think you're right i think i think the only other um surprise that i would say um was um or sort of upset maybe was was sergio trujillo uh being out uh, warren Warren carlisle for for choreography um which you know uh was really, I think, other than the, the corn other than the set design uh one was sort of the only like upset we saw. and you know, I'm not I'm excluding some of the design awards where maybe the unpredictable thing happened, but you know, for example, though Rachel Hawk was definitely definitely upset David Corns, it's like, yeah, but also people, you know, maybe the voters were lazy and just were voting to the ballot. Uh, whether they voted for Sergio or Warren Carlyle required like a decision to be made. And I think it's very clear that the Tony voters disagreed with the drama desk and our critic circle voters uh, in a way that was surprising.
1: They did. And I mean, they, they disagreed with, with uh the, I feel like this year in particular, the sort of pre Tony awards had almost had like little to no bearing on what the Tony's ended up being aside from maybe the ferryman, right? Because there are plenty of shows that weren't competitive Uh, You know, um, the boys in the band didn't even invite Drama Desk or Outer Critic Critics Circle uh, nominators, I think, to it, um, which is part of why I predicted that it was going to win because they they changed the voting rules this year so that it's no longer in an honor system, uh, and they match. You have to essentially provide documentation to say that you were at any given show on the given day that you say you were, and if the house managers can't match that, uh, to what you're, you say you don't get to vote in the category so what that means uh, I was talking with a couple of different producers beforehand um, uh, before I was writing on my predictions and, and viewing the telecast and so what that meant is essentially this year many many more voters planned further ahead to see more shows. You might think that it, it would be the opposite where fewer people just voted in general but it According to at least the the folks who have access to the the attendance data, that wasn't true. So, you had shows like Boys in the Band or the Waverly Gallery, right? Revivals, especially, that had already closed, having been, and Choir Boy as well, which is a nonprofit, middle of winter uh, run, which may have attracted, you know, in any other given year, like 350 voters maybe might have seen it. Uh, In order to be able to vote and and having all these people plan ahead, um, shows like that got, you know, an additional maybe 100, 150 people to come see them so they could be eligible. So so that's that's that at least was my take on certain shows like Boys in the Band being more competitive than they might have been in years past. For Ain't You Proud, I thought that Sergio was going to win. And uh, and I'll tell you why, because Ain't You Proud was not going to win any other yeah. awards that night. Um you know, I mean, it's it's uh, both of its featured actors were incredible, but there wasn't like a consensus on on if anyone was going to to try to you know split the vote uh, to to on on Andrew De Shields or Patrick Page in Hades Town. So it's not that other people wouldn't have been deserving, but there wasn't any other competitive category. And that show is going to tour and make so much money on the road. You know they've been they've been booking up for uh, you know they've had a long lead up to their booking, and my sense is that there was a really strong campaign push um, from the producers, from press reps, etc., from the entire team to make sure that it got. One Tony, so that it could still tour as a Tony nom- a Tony winning musical, and that was the only. So I totally, by that
0: logic, we. I talked with with Matt Timonini in the last episode pre Tonys about how one of the issues uh, I had, and one of the reasons why I thought Prom was not was going to walk away empty handed, was because there wasn't a clear. Uh, like I think similarly, if there was a clear way to reward Prom. And like the category that you that they that it should be rewarded in, it might have had a better chance. Um, I think going back to our Beetlejuice conversation, it's an example where um maybe the 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 fact that there's a group of people who really don't like Beetlejuice um were trying to find a way to not reward it, but but uh but I think you're totally right about that. Um, uh, and whereas you know I think Prom really was going with the go bigger, you know they were trying to maybe make it Beth level, but unfortunately it was a, there was a real juggernaut, yeah. and another. Um, uh, you know, like one of two Tonys that Cher was gonna walk away with. So, um, but but so so sort of taking that and the fact that you know, uh, we now have Angie Proud, which is doing great at the box office, and I'll talk to you a little bit about them in a second how it did this week. Um, and has the Tony, um, The Prom, which is walking away empty-handed, Beetlejuice walking away empty-handed, a bunch of plays walking away empty-handed. Um, let's talk about sort of what what so far. Has happened since then. So um, on the play side, there's been a lot of action. Sure.
1: Yeah. So on the play side, well, first, just because uh, knowing me, I'm going to forget this and not come back to it, but I think it's amazing to point out that Hades Town aside, and actually, this might not even be true. I think that Hades Town, the the ratio might have uh, actually. I'm going to do the math really quick. What I'm going to say is, I think out of all the shows that have been uh, that were nominated in terms of win to nomination ratio. I think that the sheer show has uh, has the best ratio. They got, I mean, they got two-thirds right. of the awards uh, they and, were nominated and for.
0: Hayeson uh, had what thir- uh, twelve nominations? Uh, 14. 14. No, yeah, yeah, you are right. So fourteen nominations. So so that's you know a little over fifty percent. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that's probably true. Um, yeah.
1: Which is amazing for a show that I mean uh, you know it's it, that that may sound sort of like a backhanded compliment. I don't intend it that way, but. Um, you know I think that 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 show attracted a lot of uh, a lot of either indifference or outright sort of scorn, but the fact that it was as competitive as it was I mean they played their cards right, you know I'm sure that they would have loved to uh been nominated for more things, but in terms of what they were nominated for they i mean they they knew what to do and and how to make sure that those were yeah. continued to be a lock um and so on the so going back to what's happened since. On the play front, uh, we've had three closings announced way ahead of schedule uh, King Lear and um, Gary, and just yesterday, uh, Hillary and Clinton. Um, all of which had been. Lear was performing okay at first, but all of which functionally were underperforming for weeks and weeks, almost since they started. Um, Gary sort of was this thing where, you know, we, we talked about this sort of the last time we, we got together. Was this thing uh, that was so bizarre and clearly super divisive, and a lot of voters hated it. but it seemed to be, and there's no way of actually confirming this because the nominators don't deliberate and vote together. they just right. you know vote independently and tally it. but uh, given so all three of those shows were produced by Scott Rudin, who also produced this season to Kill a Mockingbird. Until Kill a Mockingbird was very pointedly snubbed for a Best Play nomination, and Gary got seven nominations, including Best Play, and closed instantly. While Mockingbird is now – just broke its house record this week for like the sixth time, and is almost at $2 in weekly grosses, which is insane for a play in the Shubert Theater, which is enormous. So – so Rudin's having yeah. a really rough season right now. I mean, there's no, there's no way about it. He's lost all of his money on three shows that two of which were essentially rejected outright. Hillary and Clinton and Lear both just got one nomination, acting nomination apiece, neither of whom won. Uh, and Gary was sort of showered with nominations uh, and and never had a hope of being a commercial hit. So there's this sense of like I. I found Gary to be like a great artsy, gutsy, weird risk, and I'm really like, kudos to him to push that through to Broadway. Um but none of those shows, I mean, it became clear probably three weeks in, none of them were gonna make money and the question was just whether yeah. are they gonna announce um, and
0: you know, obviously after the the Tony's. I mean and and I had talked to I online or something about this, but it's also the you know it's really hard to, for especially for a, for an established producer and on shows with established writers and established creatives to feel like you can announce. Uh, I think Lear did announce before the Tonys, but I think a lot of they did. They right. closed on the Tonys uh, itself. But I think a lot of times you sort of like yeah. you know owe it to your creatives, uh, even if you don't think it's going to uh, work for you at the Tonys to like stick it out until the Tonys, um, and then you know we saw the result of that which is that these closings were probably something that were definitely things that were being talked about weeks before Tony's but announcing closing before the Tony's uh is the nail in the coffin it sort of gives up on it so i think i think they were holding out that maybe they would get on gary like a you know costume design award and and be able to run a tony winning campaign or something like that um sure
1: i mean yeah i think it's you know it's, it's tough especially with um I mean, with, with any producer, but for somebody like, uh, for a slate like what Rudin put together this year, which did have a lot of, of this sort of trademark packaging, right? Like you, you had your star vehicles, you know, you had Nathan Lane and um, uh, Glenda Jackson and Laurie Metcalf and John Lithgow, right? You had all of these. And if they didn't sort of pan out the way that you wanted to, uh, I imagine it's a really difficult decision to figure out how to, you know, how to navigate that, how to message that. To the to these you know these people who ostensibly you've brought in to like give a big success story to give a big vehicle to and if it's not panning out um, it's got to be tough and yeah and you don't want to you don't want to even if there's no chance right like even if Gary had won anything there's no way that show was going to turn around and make money right so uh, so I think it's a it's a credit to any producer who keeps it open keeps a show open that's clearly going to close keeps it open long enough. To make sure that you do right by the people that you sort of have promised to support, but not keep it open so long that you burn—I don't know—whatever right. bridges might be left with with folks yeah, who no, wanted that's to fight you.
0: And then, um, so so on the uh, just finishing up the play side thing, One thing that's that's interesting is yeah. um, the ferrymen, which won uh, a number, you know, number three, I think, awards. Um, is, including best play, the you know, sort of big one on the play side is mm-hmm. closing. 1-4. One, oh, one uh, what am I missing?
1: Uh, for it's got two design best and then best play, right, best Direct. Right.
0: So um, so two big um, but you know it's closing um, which is an interesting decision, right? I mean, and and I and so now we can yeah. sort of talk about grosses. Um, did the framers see an uptick that would have that would mean that maybe they they shouldn't be closing or that they could be getting a little bit more mileage out of this.
1: I mean, yes, they saw an uptick. It doesn't strike me as something that would be enough. I mean, well, you and I both know, but for anyone listening in, if you're producing a show, you don't just look at your week of grosses, right? You look at your 10 weeks out. And so that's what we, as people who aren't producers on that show – don't have access to those numbers, but you can sort of usually get a sense if something isn't selling well for weeks and weeks and weeks, it probably isn't going to magically turn around. What we saw for Ferryman is, uh, they did the week after the Tony, after they won, it had its best week since, uh, January, I think. You know, they, uh, they jumped yeah, no, up. It's it I mean, now looking at it now.
0: It's, uh, it sold 770. Uh, the last time they did seven anything was, was February and early February was the last time they did better than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they jumped up, they added 152,000 to their their receipts. They're selling at 80%, you know, of their potential, which is great. Um, You know, not stellar, not a sellout, but great, especially relative to where it had been. So, like, yeah, it got a bump. Uh, I think in order for it to extend again, uh, especially because it's such an expensive production, you know, it's a seven and a half million dollar capitalization. It's got thirty five, I think, paid cast members plus a bunch of animals. Um, you know, it's it's hugely expensive to run. So if you're not selling out, which it was when it started, you know, it was grossing a million a week for its first couple of months. Uh, if you're not really selling out, you're. It's just a game of of well, how long can we sort of bleed this until we we have to yeah. stop being irresponsible. So, so, um, that's with are. our last,
0: you know, bit, I want to move over to the musicals where there's not as much to discuss, uh, in this sort of realm of, of factual, uh, things that, that will happen because there haven't been announcements. But I think we can just analyze where we are. And, and really, I think that the, the shows that we're watching and tell me if I'm, are, um, The Prom and Be More Chill are probably the most, you know, worth watching, um, for, for, you know, uh, potential news. The Prom did announce a tour. Uh, King Kong maybe as well, although uh, that seems to me to be sort of in another sphere non-related to, 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 to the Tony Awards. Share Show show maybe, but uh, things like the Share Show and, and, and Beetlejuice, uh, and even Kong to some respect, seem to me uh, to, to to be shows to watch, but that the question is whether is when will the brand stop selling tickets and not when will the fact that they didn't win a Tony you know, prevent momentum.
1: Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good distinction. Uh, well, first, I just want to jump back very quick. The only other play we didn't talk about was what the constitution means to me, which, you know, again, I know we have uh, differing views on this, but like the fact that that show, even after not winning anything, it was only nominated for two, two Tonys. It didn't win. Uh, it's already announced a tour, which is odd because it's such a personal show and, and Heidi is not necessarily going to tour with it. Um, the fact that that is still had functionally no loss after the Tonys at the box office and that it's still grossing almost 90% of its potential, it's almost certain to turn a profit. And that's still just like wild to me. And you yeah. know how much I love the show. But I, I think that deserves saying that a show that is that unusual on Broadway, despite not winning any Tonys after uh, that it was nominated for, that it functionally didn't lose any yeah. traction or momentum, I think, is pretty you know, just spectacular. Before, before we have to make, um,
0: I think, you know, I would have outside, or I would I would sort of contend that that might have to do with the fact that it's, um, in its own sort of realm as far as shows on Broadway, maybe ever, but certainly right now. Um, and so sure. I have no doubt that if it had won one or one or both of those Tonys, they would have been able to Scott, you know, the prices might have skyrocketed this week. But to me, um, the it it operates on this plane that doesn't need the stamp of approval from the Tonys to maintain what it's been doing. Um, So, so it makes sense to me that it didn't dip as much as we would normally see a Tony award losing musical dip. Um, Anyway. um, No, that's, that's a really
1: good point. And it ties back to what you were saying about musicals. Absolutely. Where we've got a couple of shows, especially something like King Kong, which is still baffling to me. I mean, the show has been losing money pretty much every week for like months uh, as far as I've been able to tell, um, you know, I, I get, I've got a, a couple of different quotes for the running cost each week, depending on which people I talk to on the team, and I, I assume they're still trying to amortize a bunch of stuff. But like, it's, it's not selling well enough to sustain itself for for a hugely long time. But that sort of doesn't matter to it almost, right? I mean, it's it, despite being totally shunned at the Tonys and loathed by most people in the industry. It, it just added another, I mean, almost, it's 98,000. So it's almost 100 grand up from where it was before the Tonys last week. And same with Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice obviously got a lot more nominations. It was eight eight nominations, including Best Musical. And they're up over 100,000 from where they were last week. I think for Beetlejuice, that has a lot to do with its production yeah. number on the telecast, which I, I would say is the only one that really, one, took advantage of the fact that it was on TV, and two, actually sold a product that I think was tailored for TV. They changed the lyrics, you know, they uh, they adapted it for the viewing audience rather than for the audience in uh, Radio City. And I think you're seeing that in the box office. I mean, it's up six figures, which is wild for a show that's... N- that we had not seen any sort of momentum that way at the box office leading up to Yeah, 10. my
0: understanding, uh, from just, you know, hearing people talk is that they've is that Beetlejuice in particular has been doing has been seeing great responses whenever it performs on T V because they've they've sort of gotten they did it on Today Show on the Today Show two where they rewrote some lyrics. Um and it's interesting I heard you know so 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 they just wanted to replicate that and they did it in an amazing way on the Tony Telecast. Uh whereas Hades Town, which went came over with the award so sort of who cares, um, was I think one of the more disappointing <laughs> telecast performances. Um, and, um, I and I think, you know, I, I heard that I haven't seen it, but I heard they did an amazing, amazing performance on good morning America or something like that the week before. And instead of doing what had worked, they tried something new and bigger. And I, I, I don't think it was the most successful translation, but again, I think I got the point across and they, you know, they've got the awards to to market on.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hadestown is wild, right? So we can definitely get, I want to get back to, you know, the, the shows that are maybe more at risk of, of potentially bad news coming up. But Hadestown, you know, going into this, I think there was a lot of uh, talk and a lot of tension. And, and certainly I think it was a closer race than the eventual tally may have made it seem like between something like Hadestown and Tootsie. Um, but, you know, the fact that that of these two shows – Hades Town is—it's not just a hit; it is a mega hit. I mean, this show has been standing room only for weeks. It's broken its own house record at the the Walter Kerr for any show that's not Bruce Springsteen, like multiple times over. Uh, it's the—I think the third or maybe even the second at this point—most uh, expensive ticket on Broadway, just behind Hamilton. That's it. I think it was, the average think ticket a price is one hundred and seventy-two yeah. bucks. Yeah, which is wild for a show that is you know that everyone was labeling as the kind of like artsy underdog it's not an underdog yeah tootsie's the underdog that's what was wild to me by the time the Tonys rolled around tootsie it's not doing poorly but it's a soft hit right it's not a giant hit and uh the fact that it was the one that ended up sort of having to run an underdog campaign which maybe it did or didn't successfully that still is wild to me and as far as so what we're we just talking about All oh, right, so like Beetlejuice, Share Show, King Kong. I think you're right. The brands will keep keep selling for a bit. I mean, Share Show's been like doing okay for a while, not super. Uh, and Share, the thing that struck me about that is that Share herself already has announced like a giant New York date for her ongoing tour, like not too far in the future. Which sort of makes me think like, why? It's not like people who Want to go see your Broadway show? Don't want to see right. you in person more. So it doesn't sound like a big vote of confidence from the woman herself. True. So I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, so so those I think are, are like again, they don't have a Tony to basically, you know, I think a big a big brand show like that, a Tony can help you get a little bit more mileage out of the big brand. They're they're not gonna really have that. I mean, Sharon has the Tonys, but I still don't really think they'll have that. Uh, so and we, we so I think you know the ones that are that are walking away empty-handed and don't have the big brand and have sort of been ones that we have been watching and waiting to see, um, which are the Prom and Be More Chill. I think um are really the the ones that I'm most curious about. And the Prom announced a tour today, I think, or maybe it was yesterday. Rather, I, I have to tell you, you know, and and you know that I I love the show, um, and I would I would love to see them. Uh, somehow pull this off. But I actually am a little bit surprised that we haven't heard an announcement yet because, um, just with the way that they they have been the little engine that could, um, and they've been performing you know below what they needed to for months. Uh, all just trying to you know to somehow hit a home run at the Tonys, and the fact that it didn't happen for them, I thought, was a nail in the coffin. Um, I don't know if they have a trick up their sleeve or if they're – or if they have enough sales, you know, from their performance and from just their campaigning uh, that they're running for a little bit longer or, you know, whatever it is. But I for sure expect that we're going to hear something soon. And it's it's either going to be yeah. a closing announcement or some sort of star casting or something's got to give because they can't keep going like they've been going.
1: No, I, I agree. And – um. Yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy the show. I don't think I liked it maybe as much as a lot of other people did. I think there was uh, there there was a large contingent of folks who who I know at least voted for it for Best Musical and really wanted it to win. Um, it's I I am surprised that we haven't heard anything yet as well, and it's not just because it hasn't necessarily been doing well, which it hasn't. It had a really really rough winter, but. The the producers and this has been written about in a number of uh, uh, by a number of people, myself included. But Jeremy Gerard wrote a bunch about it. I think he's pretty close to to a couple of people on their team. But that show has taken out you know seven figures worth of loans to keep it afloat for the Tonys. And so there is. I I was actually it's hard, right? I'm trying to find a way to say this that doesn't sound super callous because I think it is a really charming show and the people involved in it are doing great work and it's really lovely and it's got a beautiful message but it's one of these rough situations where as soon as it got nominated for best musical my response wasn't immediate joy it was that nomination just cost them another million dollars because i i never had any belief that it would actually win uh, which it didn't. I, I would have liked to see it go home with something just so that the team felt like they got some kind of reward. But I I didn't think it was ever gonna win best musical. And if it didn't win best musical, there was it was going to close and it's going to at some point probably soon. So as soon as that got nominated, I was like, well, there are an, another million in the hole. So I don't know uh, I I just got um I, I think the producers are sort of doing a, a final last round of sort of personal appeals. I, I just got an email recently, you know, uh sent to some listserv of of like, uh, you know, come Uh, come see the prom. Uh, Tell us if you want to help us book, you know, friends and family into it. So I think they're their last wave before they shut it down. Um, But they are doing a tour. Uh, Ryan Murphy ostensibly is doing a film version of it with his deal with Netflix. And then be more chill. Oh man, be more chill. Um, I I feel like and you and I actually haven't talked about this because I know that you're, you're involved in it um, post Tony's, but I really feel like the Tony's did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what did, what did you feel watching that? Especially yeah, with yeah. The, so, the Michael in the bathroom number where they didn't credit and Joe Iconis didn't even know it was happening. So first what I was mean, that like I, for
0: you? The whole thing is a little bit odd to me. Um like just how it happens without and I I'm not I don't mean I think there are some people that are that don't believe that this could have had. like that don't believe the whole thing that, that Joe Iconis didn't know about it or, or or you know, that it wasn't done because it's it's so crazy, but it is sort of a crazy Story That you have um, a show that wasn't given a slot to perform, that whose song is going to be used uh, in a bit. Probably the highlight – honestly, the highlight of the telecast, I think. Um, I agree. It's certainly the most recognizable –
1: well, it's hard, right? I mean it's a – it's the only song from any show this season that's really broken into the mainstream. So it sort of didn't need as much contextualizing, but at the same time – To not give it any context seems very disrespectful. The
0: the issue is this, that anyone who didn't know the song were, A, confused, but B, the people who that show needed to know what it was from, right? So that's the weird thing is like – is that anyone who got the joke um, was in this in crowd that didn't need to be told. And so you have this whole group of people who the production would have loved to be told. Now, look, here's the thing. I don't know what it would have sold. It would have sold some tickets. Wouldn't have been a changing of the out of, you know, what happens to that show. But it is, it's, it's sort of weird. I do think they did them wrong. I think it was, I think it was, I don't know how that oversight happens. To me, it seems so obvious to in some way reference what the show is. Yeah. Especially when the producers of the CBS telecast had to have a conversation with that show to say, you're not making it into the telecast, right? Like that, um,
1: right well they, they they couldn't afford it i mean so so my sense is from from talking with a bunch of the folks on the show is that like uh they you know it's it's what it's 200,000 uh to set aside for a tony performance minimum bmorechild just doesn't have that kind right. of money in its reserves right now it's 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 really been scraping by especially after you know when it didn't get nominated for for anything more than score it lost half of its box office yeah. receipts at least you know week to week so they didn't have the money they were trying to find it um it's it's been in rough shape and then i was talking with some of the uh some of the cast members at some of the after party and you know obviously they're all feeling very personally hurt um and 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 i think deservedly so especially i didn't talk with george but um i can only imagine that he he feels slighted on all fronts right i mean he's yeah. the one person in that show who i would have banked an entire you know seasons worth of capitalizations that he would have gotten at least a nomination, he got snubbed. And then to use his song without either featuring him or crediting the show just felt like a genuine, like, personal and it attack. Definite, it was definitely a
0: weird. Weird, weird move. Um, And whatever would have happened at the box office because of it, you know, whether or not it was sort of like a, a dick move aside, it also probably would have had some effect uh, at the box office for anyone who did like that bit, um, maybe who, who wanted to see the thing. Um, and it obviously, did, you know, isn't going to now. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think they're in rough shape. I mean, I know I, – I feel like the the hope for them is that now that school is out, all of the, like, school kids and, like, teenagers and tweens are going to come see it. But, you know, they didn't – It, I, I find that hard to buy because even if they come see it, it's not going to be a summer's worth yeah. of premium price tickets, which is what they really need to get back over the hump. So they're, they're in trouble. I don't know. I don't know when they're going to announce anything, but it's, it's not in good shape, which is, you know, it's, uh, you know, we've talked about this. It's not my favorite show of the season. I think it's amazing that it got to Broadway and I love what they tried to do with it. And I, I just feel like regardless of nominating or not, I feel like the, the awards themselves in the Broadway League, uh, American Theater Wing really did them dirty on, on what they could have done to support ostensibly, the younger, new voices yeah, in the industry. Uh, uh,
0: totally. So, I, I, um, is there anything else, sort of Tony, you know, Tony related, or the you know weeks since the Tony's uh, that we haven't covered that we probably should? Uh, excluding what I was going to start talking about was that next season is starting to shape up.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess the only ones are, um, I mean, we haven't talked about it much because it wasn't part of the Tony conversation because it got ignored, but. Pretty Woman uh, just lost like twenty percent of its grosses after the Tonys. It's it's down. It, it got took the biggest week to week loss. Uh, it's down one hundred and sixty one thousand. It's only grossing forty percent of its potential. Um, I, I think that's that sort of timeline. Speaking of the other shows mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, of like brands selling a show, Pretty Woman's been running what for like eight months, nine months now, and I feel like now we're we're seeing the point at which. Okay, it was. It, it didn't win anything. It wasn't even nominated, and the brand Absolutely. is now sort of petering out. So, like, maybe that's the timeline we look at for something like, um, you know, uh, King Kong or uh, maybe Share Show. I don't know Share Show and, and Beetlejuice are both doing fine. That's uh, just weird. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, each of them are their own individual brands that probably behave differently yeah. from each other. So it might not Pretty be to of these shows
0: where, like, I forget it exists on a daily basis. Like, you know, uh, yeah. and I don't mean that, like, the, there are shows <laughs> like that. Like, um, A Bronx Tale was like that for me. Um, I never even got to see that. And, like, it's yes, these shows exactly. that, like, have their strategy – it's these shows that are somehow successfully doing the strategy that is, like, cornering this niche Tony – uh, or sorry, a niche theater goer that isn't like a serial theater goer, like they're not going to a uh, more than three shows a year probably, and so they don't. And so it's like easy as a theater worker to forget that they exist. And I mean that really, like genuinely, that um that it's a that it's a, that it's this show that is attracting the audience, but somehow it's not the people that are, like I, like I don't any other show on Broadway. Someone in my network is seeing once a week, right? Um, like is, is seeing on, on one week or sure, another. Rather. Sure, sure. Um, so it's funny. I have no idea what to expect about that show, but yeah, it took a huge hit. Um, maybe the, uh, you might know this. I think maybe it was the one must have been the biggest hit uh, week to week. This this uh... and yeah, um, that sounds right.
1: It's definitely its worst yeah, week it's just, done just, by just, far since it opened. I mean, it's grossing less yeah. than half now. and Cher show up there it too
0: with, with big hits at sixty four uh, thousand. And you <sighs> know, sure show again. I I think the share show will. Probably have six months, you know, at least uh, left in it. Just on 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 the fact, I mean, they're not grossing awful numbers yet. King Kong is is sort of a, a mystery to me. I, th- I if I were to guess, Beetlejuice is the one that makes it out the longest. Um,
1: I agree, and I mean they've got Warner Brothers behind it, and I don't know. I mean, I know that they also raise money from independent producers as well. But I got to think that, you know, for the first time, literally in their entire history, Warner Brothers has uh, a show on Broadway that isn't either garbage or selling terribly. So, uh, and got like nominated for Best Musical. You know what I mean? So I feel like they really want to bank on this as much as they can. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's a big win for Warner Brothers. Like the the eight nominations or whatever it got, um, especially after. You know, like there was that article, I think, was it in Forbes? Uh, that maybe it was Fortune or something. There was an article in between DC and, and Broadway that was sort of talking about how, after the horrible reviews in DC, um, the, the situation that Warner Brothers Theatrical was in, where like, was oh, that, yeah. a, was that you, That wasn't you, was it?
1: That was Forbes. It wasn't... Well, I wrote a different piece about Beetlejuice. Uh, that piece, I think you're referring to, was by Mark Hirschberg, who's uh, one of our other contributors, who usually looks at, like, the yeah. legal side of stuff. Um, and he, he did, like, a full rundown of, like, at ts acquisition of them and basically, like, yeah. what was on the chopping block. And if Beetlejuice didn't work, uh, Warner Theatricals yeah, was so probably t- going to get the I
0: ads. think Beetlejuice was a, was a, was a huge win uh, from a corporate level, um, which... <laughs> We can talk and have talks about whether maybe that's a, a good thing or not. But, I mean, for Broadway itself. For Broadway but, yeah, itself. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I do think it's – I mean, and then Tootsie also is this weird beast that has, I think, the – like, Tootsie is in this weird place where it has the brand and it also – Like more than Beetlejuice, even which might be the most well liked of the ones we just talked about, uh, from a theater. Like Tootsie might even be more well liked. It also might be more. It also might be more hated at the same time. But I think more people like it than dislike it. Is my sense.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Tootsie is odd, right? So it's. It is, it is supremely dated in a lot of ways, right? I mean, that's just the core spine of the thing is 40 years old and it feels that way. And so I felt the moments in the show that worked least well were when uh, they tried to adapt it. They tried to adapt the gender politics uh, really heavy-handedly and really tried to say, this is not 40 years old, it is now, which just made it feel more awkward. And the, the parts of it that worked the best were the parts of it that... Didn't hammer home uh, its its attempted message quite so heavily, and just let the comedy speak for itself. Um, because it's the best parts of Tootsie are funnier than any other show this season, like hands down, I, at least for me. Like I laughed harder during that show. I also was like uh-huh. furious during parts of it in ways that I wasn't at other shows, and I think that that's shared with a lot of people. I think that it when you say it's hated. I think that this is my sense of it, which could be wrong. It's always hard to tell with social media, right? Is that like a lot of the people who genuinely hate it and are really offended by it, and either find it misogynist or transphobic or just, you know, not exciting? That that is a very vocal, not terribly small minority, but a minority, and it, and certainly a minority of anyone the show is targeting, right? Like that is a big fat yeah. tourist magnet show and if they can really parlay that into uh you know just move past the fact that it didn't win best musical if they can just parlay that through the rest of the year i think I they're yeah, set I for agree. a while
0: yeah i mean i that's a show that also will will get a good portion of this like pretty woman audience i was talking about before which are these non-new Yorkers or or like you know suburban uh uh metropolitan area people uh, but it'll also get new Yorkers and and tourists and everyone um all right, so with the last five minutes, let's just look at uh, – because I think the other thing that's happened um, since the Tony's is that next season has be- has grown from something that, like, was – we knew some things about to being a real robust season, uh, and I'm, I know and I'm sure there's more to come. Uh, so Frankie and Johnny already opened. That was the first show of the season uh, to open. That's petering along, um, but <laughs> –
1: oof it's so oh, it's in such rough shape and it's well that's a whole separate conversation but like that is really doing poorly and it's unclear to me exactly why Audra's return is not selling I think the
0: thing you well. know just to spend a second on, I think the thing is um everyone would have said this is an obvious nightmare before Boys in the Band Boys in the Band figured out how to do something that like, how to do a play in the middle of the you know dead season for opening shows uh, but it had, like, so many stars. The combined star power is bigger. Also, yeah. stars that were bringing in people who weren't theater people who m- maybe don't even watch the Tonys, but they've seen The Big Bang Theory, right? And they want to see Jim Parsons. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so hard to take two – one large, like, huge theater star and one moderate theater star moderate TV star. I mean moderate maybe – I mean uh, too small of a word, but – um. The, sure. In the literally in between, I think it started previews in between eligibility cutoff and the nominations, or like at least in between nominations and opening, and then or, sorry, in the Tonys. Um, and it's like you need. Uh, this is when every theater goer who loves Audra wants to see the things that were nominated and want and and is is waiting to find out what you and and the it's so expensive to advertise and it, uh you know because because the, yeah. all the outlets sure. know that Hades Town is going to pay whatever. It needs to to get ads in there, right? And and he's not he's not alone, all those yeah. shows. Um the press doesn't care at all if you're not a nominee, right? Um so it's yeah. just ho- so it's hard true. to speak. So like I'm interested, you know, I'm on Seawall Life, um, which has a sim like two stars, you know, not like g- ginormous stars, but Jake Gyllenhaal, and Tom stars pretty pretty decent uh stars, you know, with good overlap. But we have sure. Yeah, and I think the Jake, I think the main difference is we have such distance. Like we're not we're it's mid July. Yeah, uh, I, I'm curious to see yep. what happens there. Um, but anyway, so so Moulin Rouge is starting previews next week. Um, yeah, oh my gosh, uh, so soon, and that's that's the first musical of the season. Um, Jag, so Moulin Rouge we already knew about. Jaggy Little Pill we already knew about. Um, Tina we already knew about, which is uh, now we're getting you know, more into the fall. Mm-hmm. Um and then this week we or today we learned a uh, girl from the north country was open is going to be opening up in February, um, yeah which I missed off. Probably. i really in I don't understand what the hubbub was about. I I, I actually and I truly <laughs> do think that the critics loved it. I know that, but I truly I wonder if Americans will like it as much as the British. It's like it's a slow you know. Play with yeah. music, really. Uh, that's like closer to a musical than a play with music. Um, and then on the on the on the new play side, uh, we've had we have the inheritance that announced recently, which both both of us are involved in, and uh, Sea Wall Life, which Ooh. we just talked about. Um, a bunch of I'm skipping mm-hmm. the nonprofits because there's there's so many of them, um, and those announced their seasons some before the Tonys, and uh, the Sound Inside, um, and and there's American right, so then, Utopia, right? on, like, the right? special um... side of Darren Brown's Secret, which I'm also involved with, and American Utopia, oh, yeah. one of more play-type uh, special, uh, special event, one of more musical-type special event. Oh, I thought that American Utopia was, like, a full so musical. Is it, it not? It, I think it rides the, the like, the border. I think they're they're calling it a special event. I think it's sort of a theatrical concert. Like, you, okay. you know, my understanding, I don't really, I mean, we actually are investing in it, but I have no idea about it other than, like, that people love De- uh, David Byrne. Um, but – Yeah.
1: Although, oof, I'm I'm very concerned after – did you see the uh, – Yeah, that was uh, Joan of Arc yeah, show yeah. at the <laughs> public? <laughs> but but
0: – Oof. but my, right. But, but well, I do, we'll see. But I, I mean, fingers so crossed. I know people who saw this um, who, who said basically it's a David Byrne concert with, like, you know, theatrical – moments um and and that it's a really so it, it shies away from it's not a book musical it's more like a concert that has nice. some sort of theatrical form to it i mean i'm talking about it i've, yeah. I've never seen and, it but i, I know people who have seen it um and that's what i, sure. what, I what i hear um yeah I go, and then we've also got what is it we got west side, got, story, west side yeah. story
1: right um coming in uh, and then, which is sort of perplexing to me, I'm curious. It's going to be Evo Hovo, yep. right? Who's going to be uh, doing his thing for it? And then there's um, uh, Virginia Woolf again with <laughs> Laurie Metcalf, who's going to be incredible, and Eddie Izzard, which I find fascinating. So Eddie Izzard is one of my favorite performers of all time. I grew up on his comedy. Uh, if for, for you know anyone who doesn't know, uh, is a brilliant uh, comedy who made a name for himself by being uh, a uh, identifies as a male lesbian. He's a, 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 a cross-dressing, uh, comedy transvestite uh, British uh, man who now identifies as transgender. I believe he still uses male pronouns. I just saw him perform at the Beacon uh, on a tour that he's going now. I thought he was going into politics, which is what he kept talking about, that he was going to be part of Parliament or running for Parliament. But now he's going to be in Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf*. I, I assume well, as George, you know, going to be – so I didn't very, know
0: – I'm no, not yeah, – tell me. An, I, I knew of Eddie Izzard. I did not know all the stuff you just shared. And it's, it is – Oh, sure. Making a rumor I heard sound much more likely, which is actually that uh, Laurie Metcalf is playing George.
1: Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Also, well, the other thing I was going to say, which he, he – you know, has a very funny bit about in his his recent tour is that he he's had uh, uh, top surgery, so he I mean he he presents as as very um, physically female. So I was wondering how this yeah. whole thing was going to be. Well,
0: we'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, yeah. I think those are the things that are that are uh, like officially announced. Um, that are very likely to come in. There's obviously other stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of availability. Uh, the Belasco doesn't have anything until uh, girl comes in. I think Girl announced its theater today. I hope it did.
1: Is that is that true? I thought something well, else... Well, well maybe sorry. we can't I, talk about that uh, on the podcast. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, no. I, I have heard uh, that something might be going in, that it might be a revival. Um, uh, uh, offline, okay. I'll, I'll tell you what I think you're referring to. Um, uh, but the Blast sure, sure, does sure. have something uh, uh, for the fall um, yet announced. Um, the... Uh, the golden if uh, if if um if Ferryman is uh if this was the final extension, the Jacobs there's just a lot of real estate um whereas there wasn't you know before nearing the end of the Tonys um you know we uh no it wasn't United I. I don't think yeah. it was United talks I talked to someone on on the podcast right around when these last announcements for 2018-2019 were coming out and we were like talking about how there are really only there was like one or two spots left by January that yeah. something can announce. Um, yeah. yeah, so all really interesting stuff. I think there's going to be a lot, uh, you know, I think there are going to be a lot more open uh, uh, opening announcements soon, um, but also, sadly, uh, as we have discussed, there's got to be some closings coming up as well.
1: Yeah, and I think those are going to open up a lot of room. I mean, I think there's going to be at least two or three theaters by Labor Day that if they ha- if they aren't closed or if they aren't free by then, they will be shortly after.
0: Since Lee and I recorded this episode, we've already seen two of the shows discussed announce their closing, and that is that the Prom and Be More Chill will both be closing on August 11th. I wish I could say that those are the only closing notices that we expect for the rest of the summer, but it's just not true, as you could probably tell from my conversation with Lee. There are a number of shows that are on the watch list that might be closing or announcing closing in the next few weeks. The good news is that with each show that closes, there's a vacant theater that can open up for a new production to come into the 1920 season. But with that, that's a wrap on the 1819 season. Thank you for listening along with us on the Henry Report. If you have any questions from previous episodes or ideas for the next one, tweet me at Oliver Henry Roth. You can find The O'Henry Report on broadwayworld.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Basically, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, we're there. Be sure to follow Broadway World on Facebook and on Twitter at World for updates. You can find me on Twitter at Oliver Henry Roth, on Facebook at O'Henry Productions, and on the web at www.ohenryproductions.com. I can say for myself that we have a number of productions a uh, plan for the 1920 season, three of which we've already announced, Wall Life, The Inheritance, and Darren Brown's Secret, and there may be more to come. You'll have to stay tuned. From myself and the rest of The O'Henry Report and Broadway World staff, thanks for listening. The next time you hear from us, we'll be into the 1920 season, which is already looking like it could be one of the strongest Broadway seasons in recent history. We're excited to dig into it with you on The O'Henry Report, and we'll see you then.